I'm Raina. And I'm Megan. Welcome to the Shh Don't Talk About It podcast, where we talk about all the things we need to say out loud, but think that we can't. We're going to talk about all the things. We're going to shed light on them. We're going to embrace them and we're going to fucking love them. So join us on this journey as we get rid of shame and start talking about it. Welcome to season two, episode seven. Resilience. Crack them. Crack them. <laughs> like baby. we always you already do. Fucking you already know. <laughs> Everyone knows by this point that what we do at the top of an episode is crack a claw. Crack them, baby. So, cheers them. Cheers. All right. What are we talking about today? We are talking about managing stress. Yes. And what the fuck it does to us. Yes. And we were so lucky and had so fun talking to our friend Jessica Patching Bunch, um, who's a stress resilience coach. Mm -hmm. We learn all about what that is and what that means. Um, She has really incredible information for how to think about getting control of stress, working Mm -hmm. with stress in a different way, Mm -hmm. all of that, which I found really super useful. Um, she also has a really powerful personal story mm-hmm. and a lot that she's been through with her own mental health and her journey to get this cool job title and do this really interesting work is like so moving, very moving. And I've learned so much, you know, to, to bring it back to last season, episode two, mm-hmm. I believe it's yep. all in your head or is it? So, you know, it, it touched on. Megan and I both touched on mental health and our um, struggles with it. And um, and I talked about some of the physiological symptoms that I was experiencing and how I did not know what those were. Um, and so, Jessica, you know, we talked about that today in today's episode and, um, you know, how our body responds to stress, stressors, um, whether it be anxiety, depression, um, just being angry, any, any of those emotions Um, And then becoming aware of those bodily responses and then how you have control. You can take control over those things once you become aware of those things. So um, definitely learned a lot from her. She's very knowledgeable. She went to school for neuropsychology. So Um, smart. It's incredible. She has a fucking incredible brain um, that she is sharing with us today. And we thought it would be... um, good to do this um at the you know it's may it's the mental health awareness month we had ambrosia on um previous episode talking about limited beliefs and here we are with jessica today you know talking about you know how she was so resilient and some of the traumas that she had to face and and get through to get her to where she is today is just fucking amazing and the definition of resilience in my yeah Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. In my opinion. 
opinion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it was a really beautiful episode. Um, very tiny trigger warning in part of her story. She mentions a loss to death by suicide. She briefly in like one sentence mentions some childhood sex abuse. There's zero details on any of this, but yeah. just letting folks know that's coming. It's truly not the focus no. of this episode. Um, but I guess gives you a little bit of a preview of all of the things that this wonderful, beautiful, smart woman, resilient woman has overcome and all the knowledge she has to share. So enjoy it. Here's Jessica. Don't talk about it. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes. We're so excited to have you today. Yes. So um, today, everybody, we're really lucky to be talking to Jessica Patching Bunch um, from Brain Body Resilience, which is her company she owns, where she is a stress resilience coach, which we can't wait to talk to you more about what that means. Yeah. Uh, we also just want everyone else to know, too, that um, if you resonate with what Jessica has to say today, which we know you will... She has a podcast of her own, mm -hmm. also called Brain Body Resilience, so you can find it everywhere you find podcasts. We will link it in the show notes, but um, if you need to build up your stress resilience, and who doesn't <laughs> right yeah. now, um, it, Jessica's your gal, and yes. we're just really lucky to have her with us here today. We are. Hi, Jessica. Hello. I'm so excited. <laughs> Yes. So I just wanted to share that I've known Jessica for a very long time. Yes. Since like high school. Since like high school. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we weren't friends back then, but we we're, we hung around the same crowd of, you know, those, <laughs> those great people. Um, And then later on down the road, you know, I, I just I'm fascinated with the people that continue to orbit around your lives that you um, reconnect with, you know, a different time in your life and and here we are. So um, I really am happy to have you on the show today to talk about your story, talk about how you have um, come to be a stress resilient coach and what it all means to you. Yeah, I, I am excited. And, you know, I think about that a lot as well. Just the people who who do just kind of stay in your orbit throughout your life because mm -hmm. so many people don't. Yeah. <laughs> So it's interesting to see as we all kind of grow and change how that how that shifts together or apart. For sure, for sure. And to think about why, like yeah. why the people who stick along the path do for whatever reason. Yeah. Even when you want like are not close from way back in the day, but mm -hmm. like I don't know. It's interesting how relationships like stretch and shrink and expand again. So Okay. Start us out with just what is a stress resilience coach? Um, I can sort of imagine a definition of it, but like I've actually never heard of that before until until we were just talking about it before we hit record. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's an interesting thing because when I started my business in late 2019, I had never heard of that either. And I was like, well, I'm going to make this up because it's necessary <laughs> and the reasons we're going to get into. But, and now after 2020 and everything that that has been for yeah, everyone in different ways, 
I see more like on social media, I see there are a lot more like stress coaches and, and I'm always interested. Like I always kind of poke around. I'm like, what does that mean to you? Because Uh I think for me, from what I've seen, it's very different. So I, what, what I do is help people gain information and understanding of how we work as humans from a physiological perspective, specifically from the nervous system point of view, because my background is in neuropsychology Mm -hmm. and, and then help them understand and build these tools that they inherently have that we all inherently have within ourselves Mm -hmm. through brain, our body and our breath to mitigate the effects of stress, to be able to build up buffers to our stress, stress threshold and, and build that resilience going forward in life. I love that. Of course, my brain is like firing in a million directions um, as a therapist and just thinking about Mm -hmm. the work I do with clients to increase their window of tolerance. It's like the same terminology for stress threshold probably. And then also just thinking about like experiences we've been through where Mm -hmm. it would have been nice to have more stress management tools or um, like lower cost, like healthier coping skills. Well, yeah. exactly. That's, that's exactly the thing. All of the, all of those resources that we have within us, they're free, they're renewable. They are always readily available. And mm-hmm. the wellness, like there's a huge gap in wellness education. This is something that, I mean, I went to school for psychology and neurophysiology and I never like explicitly learned these things of like, this is how you can manage your stress response. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not because we, we have like, we have a really strong dependence on pharmaceuticals and then there's nothing wrong. Like take, take your meds. They are useful mm-hmm. and usable and they're great. But also there are things that we can do outside of that, just using your own resources internally. And I think that education or that understanding that that's even available is so lacking. Yes. And I love that you say that they're, they're in you. They're renewable. They're always there because our bodies are made to um, combat stressful situations. You know, the whole fight or flight, you know, situation. We all heard about that, you know, about if you see a lion, you run or freeze or whatever, you know what I mean? It's yeah. freeze, run, whatever. Um, but we have those stress hormones in our body um, and we hear about it, but then we don't know how to have control over those things, you know, because our body just reacts. Um, But then if we can have some sort of, if we know more, like, you you know, what you're doing at creating awareness of of these stress hormones and how you can like gain control over them and, and shift them, you know, to help you like calm down the stressors in your body, you know, that's, that's incredible because we hear about that all the fucking time. Stre- flight or flight, you know? Dude, well, and that's it. And that's the thing is that like, exactly when you feel it's so much of it is just about awareness in your own body, which mm-hmm. a lot of us for a lot of reasons intentionally or unintentionally turn off that awareness and mm-hmm. disassociate and deconnect from ourselves for Mm -hmm. survival or otherwise just learned over years or whatever it is. And so then when we have, or we just, just the understanding that the sensations that you have when you're feeling anxious and you're feeling really stressed out, you're like all of the, all of the feelings that you're having in your body is a natural response to the resources that your stress response is giving you 
mm-hmm. but it feels hella weird. And if you're not like understanding that this is just how my body functions and like, okay, I can choose what to do with this, then it's scary. And then the way that you interpret that, the way that you respond sends another cascade of physiological effects throughout your body. And so then it just perpetuates this stress response. And so if you can take the minute to just stop and be like, okay, I know what's going on. here, mm-hmm. And then. Yeah. There. Yes, 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 yes. Because your if you think about it, the physiological responses that you have, what, what is it? Heart racing, sweating, uh, you know, clammy, like Elevated all breath. of that. Mm-hmm. Like it could be either you're very scared, nervous, um, or the other opposite of that is you're excited. Exactly. Like, woo, you know what I mean? So like, it's the same exact physiological response uh, or not. Yeah. Physiological response as it is for either one of those emotions, you yeah. know? So yeah. just like, is there a way we can turn this into like, no, I'm excited. Like instead of being scared of like skydiving or something so ah, or spiders or fucking whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we were just talking about spiders. Um, can I be like excited? You know what I mean? Like change this this uh, perspective, you know, in our head. Yeah, for sure. Thing, right. I love your I love the approach you're describing as well, because something I see a lot in trauma survivors who I work with is a sense of shame about these physiological responses that exist for a reason yeah, and that were protective at one point in time. And yeah, if, if you're continually having an, uh, overextended response to like stimuli that aren't actually dangerous, then like, of course that is something that we want to like get a handle on so that you don't have to live in a constant state of panic. But I do so much work with people to try to help them understand, like, this is your body doing what it's supposed to do just now it's on overdrive. So let's try to rein it back in. But I meet so many people that have like completely pathologized themselves Mm. Mm. or been pathologized by certain parts of like the mental health or the wellness industry for like a perfectly natural thing that our bodies do. That's actually really important for our safety. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And that is so much of what like my, so I started my business because I'll, I'll take you all the way back. All right. uh, I grew up with a lot of trauma, lived through a lot of sexual abuse and domestic violence. We lived in a really violent household with my, my stepdad was a just raging alcoholic who was abusive. And Also, my mom was a long haul truck driver. And so we kind of grew up with Mm -hmm. just like random people who just like did a lot of drugs and whatever they wanted to us, Mm -hmm. being my brother and I. And so from the young age, I started like I started having like stress related um, GI issues when I was like seven or eight. But, you know, in the early 90s, late 80s and early 90s, stress for children was never like that was not something doctors even had on their radar. So it was like, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And and then it continued through, you know, as these things kind of continued, like. I had like repeated sexual abuse into like my teen years. And so like it wasn't an isolated event. And so my body never had a chance to really heal and be like, okay, I'm good now. And Mm -hmm. so then it got to the point where I was, my stress response was just kind of on overdrive all of the time. I was living in this threat threat response in survival Mm -hmm. mode. 
And I would be like falling asleep at school. And then instead of being like, Hey, are you okay? I would get like, are you doing drugs? Mm. Get like, sent to the principal's office and all these things. And I was like, what is happening? Cause I wasn't mm-hmm. doing it yet at that point. <laughs> I was like, I'm 12. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And I'm tired and exhausted for being like in survival mode all the time. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I was like, I didn't really wish that. that. Yeah. You didn't know that. Of course. I just yeah. was like, I don't know. I can't, I literally cannot stay awake. I don't know what's wrong with me. And so that kind of continued until, um, you know, my early twenties, like I would be driving home on my commute home, like with the window down music up, trying to sing a song, smoking a cigarette, doing whatever, like, and still falling asleep. I thought I was like, like had insomnia or at least was like hypersomnic or something because I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'll be having a conversation with somebody and falling asleep. Mm -hmm. I literally can't, I can't do, I cannot stay awake. And then the digestive issues also continued. And, and then with that, like with the sleeping thing that brought a lot of shame, which also was like brought on by everything else in my past telling me that I was wrong and these things were my faults Mm -hmm. and and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I remember my first husband was just like, thought I was super lazy and he was really mean. And I was like, I swear I'm not like I work two jobs and go to school. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, um, so then I had all of these extra feelings about these things that were happening to me. And just like you were saying, I felt like I was, there was something wrong with me because mm-hmm. I didn't understand what was happening. And like nobody else I saw was having these issues. And so I was like, mm-hmm. well, what the hell's wrong with me? Like, I know that I've had all of these experiences that I didn't realize at that time were so common. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm fucked up. It's obvious, you know? And, and then my mid twenties, I started having a lot of different like random issues and I would go to the doctor and they would just tell me like, these are all stress related. So, you know, just, um, Lower your stress. Just have have less stress. Oh, okay. Just lower your stress. Thank you. Thank you for that great for that hot tip, doctor. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck is that advice? To the point where I just like stopped. I was like, okay, well, this isn't useful. And that was my reaction. Was just like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What, I don't know what that means. I also was, I, I was very angry, and I was like, dude my life, my life is shitty. Like I have, I am working two jobs and going to school and like, my life is stressful. That's just it. There's nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was the headspace I was in was like, everything adding up to that was like, had created my life. And that was just kind of where I was stuck. And there was nothing I could do about it. I've just been dealing with these stress related issues for always, as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but along the way, so in my early 20s, I was I taught gymnastics and I loved it so much. I thought if that was like the only thing I could ever do and like actually make a living, I would do it forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I stopped teaching. And then I was like, you know, I want to have like a, a gym for women at some point that's like mental and physical strength. Mm. Because the thing I loved the most about teaching gymnastics was seeing people learn that they were capable of things that they didn't think they were mm-hmm. and learning how to use their bodies and what that meant. And, and then I was like 20 something and that dream just kind of floated away and life continued. Yeah. Um, 
And then I went on to get my degree in neuropsychology. I stumbled on a neuroscience class at some point. It was a class entitled Perception. And I was like, oh, this is super fascinating. Like perception's interesting, right? And it was the neuroscience of sensation perception. And I, my first day in class, they're explaining, and I was like, I'm not good at science. Like, I don't, I don't know what this means. And I fell in love with it. And I was like, oh, I'm really good at this. Like it just clicked. It made so much sense to me and learning. I just fell in love with learning about the brain and all that that means. And it's super complex. Mm -hmm. And also parts of it are really, really simple. And it just, I just loved it. So then I was like, oh, I have my trajectory. Like I know what I want to do. I want to go do research. And so I ended up working at OHSU. Oregon Health and Science University in neurodevelopmental research. And I did not love it, but I think that pushed me to finally seek therapy, which I had been putting off for my whole life, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was fantastic. Um, Kind of in the midst of that, I started having, after I started going to therapy, I began to have psychogenic seizures Right. And what is, can you tell people what that means? Like what a psychogenic seizure is? So it's a non-epileptic and actually I learned this from you, Megan. So thank you for like (laughs) helping me with this, but, uh, it's a non-epileptic seizure. So it's not because of electrical malfunction in your brain circuitry. It is from what I understand and correct me here, if, if I'm wrong, but it, from what I understand, it is just, it's a trauma response Mm -hmm. from disassociation and Mm -hmm. which before I knew that psychogenic non-epileptic seizures were a thing that existed. That's kind of what I thought it was. I was just like, I've got 30 years of shit that I've refused to acknowledge. So it's, it's coming out, you know, Mm -hmm. I continue to have seizures now. Um, I've learned to work with them a little bit and just kind of understand that it's a necessary part of this process right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I began to have seizures and then it was about a month and a half, two months after that, my brother, I lost my brother to suicide and there was just so much involved. Like he and I, like he was my person going through all of the yeah. things that we did when we were little he was the only one who really understood my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I think it was, we both wanted so badly to leave that, that life behind. And seeing each other just brought up bad memories. We had never kind of got past the bad part to make new good memories with each other. Mm-hmm. And so that was really hard. Um And it was after I lost him that I just, I don't know, it just, I realized I needed to get my shit together and learn how to take care of myself in a better way. Mm -hmm. I also made him a promise to figure out how to like be happy and live my best life because he never could. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, Jessica. That's so much. That's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's so much. And I, re, I really appreciate you sharing all of this with us. I mean, it sounds like a lifetime of stress and challenges and trauma combined with an incredible brain and intellect yeah. combined with a desire to help people. Like, I'm so moved by the story you just told us and like mm-hmm. all those ingredients mixed together. Like, man, of course you're doing this work and you're like the perfect person to be. Oh, thank you. I really, you know, one of the, one of the biggest kind of a couple of things when I lost my brother, I had, I had urged him to seek mental health help for a long time. And he refused for a lot of reasons. He's a man. He was told in our childhood that men don't do that. And he wasn't allowed to seek help at that point. And then he also had really high military security clearances and he wouldn't be able to keep his job if he sought professional help for his mental health, which is, there's so much wrong with that. Yeah. And so that's a different episode. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I want people to know that you're not alone. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. All are susceptible to pieces of mental illness just like we are physical illness. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. It is no different. And there's the way we think about it needs to change. Yeah. And I was working in academia, just watching all of this fantastic information circulating back and forth between the same people who had access to it, who were just kind of talking to each other about it. And I just thought, I want, I want to, tell other people (laughs) (laughs) are not worth share this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, plus people hear neuroscience and they think that it's something that's like not accessible to them. Mm -hmm. Like they're understandable (laughs) or, and then like, and then in the mental health industry, like, because it is an industry, there's a lot of gatekeeping, I think of certain types of knowledge or interventions that would be helpful to people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, some modalities like you for sure need to receive from someone that's trained in it, but like oh, absolutely. we don't have to gatekeep the reasons why it works. We don't have to gatekeep the knowledge about why it works. Like why wouldn't we want to like put that in the like hands of every person? You know, just yeah. like you were saying like we have these resources within us. Like why wouldn't we want to put that in everybody's hands? Well, and I think that's that is a huge part of my message is that this is like, it's not a substitute for professional help. Like, please continue to seek professional help. If, if I think everyone should at different periods of time, but mm-hmm. I think that we have become in the habit and we've kind of been, we've learned that our power lies elsewhere, like mm-hmm. not within <laughs> us that we have to see like, Oh, I'm like me. A, do- a doctor <laughs> or Raina knows it's in her, but everyone else yeah. is like looking around, like who can fix me? Well, no, <laughs> who can fix me? But that's exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly it because we're told that like, no, go go talk to your doctor. They know best. Go talk to your therapist. Mm-hmm. They know best. And like, doctor, yeah, I mean, like all those are all pieces, but you have the power inside of you to participate in your wellness far beyond what we learn. Mm-hmm. And there's just like, yes. they're all pieces to the puzzle. <laughs> you have agency, you know, so yes. use it. You have power. You, once you become aware of, of, um, you know, our bodies are there, our bodies are here 
to protect us, to keep us um, surviving. You know, that is pretty much what they're there for. And they can't, there is, there is a, a connection between the mind and the body, obviously. Oh, yeah. um, but it's hard for the body to distinguish what is a real, you know, event, real trauma happening right now or happening a long time ago or, or whatever, you know, it's hard for the body to distinguish that. But if you, but you can, you can, once you become aware of it, you can distinguish it and you can say no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yes. I'm, I'm seeing, I can, wait, I'm acting this way. My body's acting this way because, oh, ding, ding, ding. I know the why. I know the why. Okay. And you talk yourself through it, just like you were mentioning earlier. You know, once you become aware of your behaviors or what your body is doing, how it's responding, um, then you can, you know, some of the, I don't, we haven't really talked about the modalities that you use, but you know, or the techniques that you use to help calm those stressors. Yeah. yeah. You can start doing that once you become aware. Well, and that's like, wait, dude, that's exactly, it's that awareness piece. And just like mm-hmm. so many, so many things about what you just said, like, and I tell people all the time, this is your brain is built for survival. It is not built for happiness. So yeah. you have this automatic negative bias anyways, because your brain is just looking for all the threats, all the things that could potentially kill you or harm you. And so then, and that mind-body connection, that is such a huge piece. And in Western cultures, you know, in in the 17th century, Rene Descartes was like, you know, dualism. And then science and medicine were like, yes, your mind and body have nothing to do with each other. And if you look at medical treatments, mental health, if you can even call it that, treatments from that point forward, they just don't make any sense. Like, no, let's cut a piece out of your brain. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's going to lobotomize and shock you, and then you'll be fine. Yeah. Right? Like, like, they yeah. don't make any sense. But if you look at yeah. indigenous cultures, Eastern cultures, like Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. all of these, all the, all the ones I don't know about. Have all maintained forever that like, we are all one mind, body, spirit. You have to take care yeah. of all the people. spirit. Hello. <laughs> and so yeah. that, that connection and, and what you said about your, your body doesn't really know the difference about like what's going on. It doesn't, mm-hmm. your brain doesn't know the difference between an event that's happening internally or externally. So if you're remembering something, especially, you know, trauma memories are encoded differently. And so they, it's a whole different piece than just like, what I ate yesterday or whatever. No, it's like a fucking fast track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it is. And then, and then you go yeah. straight back to, you are reliving that as far as your brain and body are concerned. Mm-hmm. And that goes with not just like severe trauma, but like, if you're thinking about like, God, that person in traffic yesterday, or like what she said to me, and I'm going to say this and start having that imaginary conversation about all the things in your head, mm-hmm. you're just like mm-hmm. drumming up all this stress for yourself, creating this, this situation that you're, brain and body respond to as if it is happening that awareness mm-hmm. piece is just so much if, it's if you so you're aware much. of it you can't do anything about it. right right and we use so much energy um cultivating these ideas of the worst case scenarios yeah. because that's again what our brain does to try to protect ourselves but why don't we try to use this energy to cultivate like the best case scenarios because both are true <laughs> they both haven't happened yet <laughs> both are possible yeah you know but let's focus that energy on like the good feeling and feel good about it and you know like 
Yeah, you have the power yeah. for all of that. You know, it's it's within you. Or even just being sure. present. Some like yeah. just like in this moment, none of those things are happening. Right. Like in this moment, mm-hmm. I'm safe. I'm good. Yeah. So what do you do when yeah, you're under I, like this attack? <laughs> I was going to ask that. Yeah. For people who want, who are listening, who want to work with their stress differently, increase their distress tolerance. Like what are the things that you recommend that are just kind of like basics places to start mm-hmm. the two- besides booking a coaching session with you, <laughs> which they should, well, which we will post information yes. on how to do, but like, where, do, yeah. where do you start? If it's like, okay, like I acknowledge stress isn't routine and normal part of life. And I want to work with mine and respond to mine differently. Like, so I always, my anchor point where I always begin is breath work because mm-hmm. Not only are you accessing your attention and focus, so you're able to direct your psych word words are escaping me psychological response, mm-hmm. but you are also able to manage and, and direct your physiological response. So mm-hmm. it's like a twofer, and it is always available, and it's it's almost an immediate response that you have shifting from that parasympathetic side of your ner- or the sympathetic side of your nervous system, which is that fight or flight that we talked about that we all have heard at one point or another, mm-hmm. which is like the elevated response to the calming rest, digest, relax, parasympathetic side, literally just by breathing. Mm-hmm. But like how we breathe is just, it's so fascinating how, how crucial it is for our health, both our physical and mental health. And it's something we don't ever pay attention to because we don't have to, because it just like happens. Right. But like, right. how are you doing? But it's passive and non-passive, you yeah. know, like you can control, you don't have to think about breathing at all. Yeah. I mean, that just happens. Right. But, but the times that you should think about it is when you're like disconnected yeah. <laughs> from, you know, I think your body, right. Is that kind of what you're saying a little bit Yeah. to try to reconnect your connect the two, the mind and the body. Exactly. So like if you are feeling anxious or you're feeling stressed out, overwhelmed, just all these things, being able to just close your eyes because that takes away all of the visual sensory input, which is huge. Take away all those distractions and then focus on your breath. Start to slow it down. It naturally will slow down when you start to focus on it. And then you can do things like if you are wanting to calm down, if that is the purpose of your breathing, then you focus on your exhale because that's the one that's connected to your parasympathetic side of your nervous system. Or you can also use your breath work for like energy and mental clarity. So Mm -hmm. it's really versatile, but it's always there for you. And it doesn't take like, I know that people do breathwork sessions that are like, you know, an hour long with like sound bowls and all the things. And, oh. and that's super cool. That's, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Do, yeah. If you've got the time and the desire to do all that, but like, uh-huh. I want people to know that it doesn't take all that. Yeah. It doesn't five minutes, two minutes, several times throughout your day. And it will significantly help you in these areas, especially when you're needing that moment to just like, calm down and create some space between whatever's happening. And then like your reaction to that thing or your response, Mm -hmm. then you get to choose. Um, and so breathwork is my go-to there's just, there's so much you can do with it and it's just always available and it's easiest thing to manage your mind and body, both pieces of the stress. Mm -hmm. And then also exercise. 
mm-hmm. movement. I'll say movement because movement. yeah, I yes. was going to say, cause some people build up exercises like, well, I didn't make it to orange theory today. So no, my not, exercise yeah. day is shot. Right. <laughs> and I feel like you have a very beautiful, like I follow you on Instagram. I, I look at and notice all your movement posts and you have a really beautiful way of thinking about exercise and movement. So talk about that. Like talk yes. about how you don't have to like actually, you know, get on a treadmill, get on a treadmill every <laughs> no. day for it to count. Yeah. No. So like, oh my gosh, this is a, like, like this could be a whole, whole episode, but yeah. the way that okay, we follow up exercise <laughs> yeah. is so aesthetically based, which like we all want to look good, right? You look good and you feel good or, you know, like that is a, look good, feel good. That is a, the yeah. puzzle, but like, getting killing yourself on the treadmill or you know for the goal of like I gotta fit into these jeans I wore 20 years ago or whatever (laughs) it's not the point and there's so much more to movement and exercise like your brain literally developed evolutionarily speaking like as a species our brains developed through movement through having to like go seek out food and shelter and all of these things and so when we are adding movement, which just means like you're always moving via like your breath and like internal movements, but you don't like go for a walk, do some like stretching, mobility, jump up and down. Like that's fantastic for your lymphatic system and just like to get your brain going, get your heart rate up. It doesn't have to be complicated. And I think we complicate it and we have these expectations of just like you said, what exercise looks like. Mm-hmm. And it can look like whatever you want it to. It's very different. Like, what is your, what is your goal is what you have to look at. Because like, if you're trying to like lose fat, build muscle, if you're in like a bodybuilding competition, obviously it's a very different type of exercise than when you're just thinking about, I need to complete my stress response cycle. I need to release some of this energy that I have built up from this, the resources that my body's giving me through this stress response. I need to clear my head. I'm doing this for my mental health it's a very different, um, it looks very different in what you're going to do. Sometimes totally, yeah. different approach. Yeah. Cause sometimes when oh, I'm yeah. like been working all day and I'm just like, I need to fucking release this energy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm going to work out. I'm not even thinking about like anything else, but like releasing all this pent up energy inside of me. Totally. Yeah. Like early quarantine about a hula hoop and a jump rope. And I would, I mean, I'm talking like when we were all like not seeing each other, like Mm -hmm. when, when Raina and I were even just like FaceTiming, like everyone's so isolated. (laughs) And I would just like, I mean, I probably looked unhinged because I was responding to stress in a way, Yeah. but I would just stand in my garage and alternate hula hooping and jump roping to this like playlist I made that was mostly like Selena and associate <laughs> like you can imagine. I love it. And and then um and it, I felt so much better. And it wasn't about I've talked on the podcast before issues with food. But actually but actually like the, like, pandemic, the pandemic created, created one, of one of the first times in my life that it was just moving. Because I was trying to have fun. Because I was trying to have fun. Yeah. Because I was responding to the stress of being really isolated and really scared. And it totally worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just like you said, the difference between like, so for overall like brain function and studies have shown move, movement and exercise to be equivalently effective on treating depression and anxiety as the, you know, most popular 
pharmaceuticals for those things. And again, I'm not advocating that you don't take your medication. I'm saying that there are also other options. Totally. Yeah. And, and for that, like a medium to high intensity exercise, like interval training is the best to produce the neurochemicals and hormones and proteins that help you think better and feel better and regulate which parts of your brain are actually like active and which ones you have access to. But then if you are in an elevated state and you are already stressed out, that high intensity exercise is only going to spur more stress. And so you really have to be able to pay attention and say like, okay, what do I need? Not just like, I'm going to get my exercise, you know? Right. Right. Yes. Because that causes more fucking stress when you're just like, I need to get my workout in today because I feel fat and bloated. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Like find what you love to do, you know, what gets you moving and grooving, put on a good fucking song, you know, just dance, dance, you know, (laughs) dance. And I think you like that point about bringing yourself that piece of fun and that piece of joy is So like that is this other huge piece of this puzzle, right? Because in our, our society doesn't like promote the things of like, do something good for yourself and just like have some fun. It's like Mm -hmm. grind until you die. If you're not productive (laughs) and working, then you're not worth it. Right. Right. Pleasure is an essential piece of your brain's puzzle, like in just like for cognitive function. And if your cognitive, like, function is not at optimal levels that causes stress because then you can't you can't think right your feelings are all out of whack and you start wondering like what the fuck is wrong with me playtime pleasure yeah i like i like these tips (laughs) like and putting that first before anything because i think if we put those things first i mean jessica tell me if this is right but if we put those things first we actually can be more connected to ourselves, more productive in the times that we need to be because we're not consumed by the stress of like chasing productivity and chasing ourselves around. Yeah. I mean, yeah, every, all you hit it. You don't don't have the stress of like fighting against yourself, like internally in so many ways Mm -hmm. about like your judgment and criticism and all those things just to get to that mm-hmm. other level of like, okay, now I have to really like think about like have some kind of cognitive mental clarity to complete these tasks. To like do this PowerPoint and it's like, fuck, yeah. I'm just, I don't know. I'm going to go take a nap now. Exactly. <laughs> like, I know. Yeah. I'm so tired about thinking about all I'm this so shit. I'm so tired from thinking about That's what we were just talking about. I was like, I have so much shit to do, that, but I'm just laying on the couch all night. I can't. I can't. I'm overwhelmed. I'm just going to lay here. But it is. Deal with it later. And you wonder, I think, or at least for myself, like, I also, you know, cultivated a strong inner judge and critic. So then it was like, what's, again, that lazy thing. Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so Mm -hmm. lazy? Why are you so tired? Like, you should be doing, it's like, I'm so tired because I've spent all my fucking energy running circles in my head about how shitty I am and how I'm not going to get these things. Mm -hmm. I have things to do and whatever else. You're literally expending all the energy and resources you have doing that. And there's nothing left. Yeah. So anybody out there who's like, but I didn't do anything today, but I feel so tired. Like, like what were, I mean, it's so loud in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, is it loud in your head? Cause that's probably why you're so tired, you know? Cause I know for me, I get really, I could be in a home alone for hours, but it'd be like <laughs> so fucking loud. And I'm like, wait, 
Was I sitting here in silence this whole time? <laughs> Just so many thoughts, so many thoughts, so many thoughts. I should be doing this. Should be, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then you realize, oh my God. <laughs> so I read, there was something I, I read and it was just some like, I don't know, which tweet or a post or something. And it was like, oh, you know, I can't ever get my, my head, head won't ever shut up or something along those lines. And like my immediate thought process was like, yeah, because you're like, when you're in default mode network, like that, you're kind of like the state you're in when you're just spacing out and like zoning out or whatever, that's when the storytelling part of your brain takes over and starts like remembering things and trying to predict the future and tell all these stories about all these different things. And so unless you are intentional about directing what's happening in your head or just like clearing some space, then yeah, it's just going to be like running all over the place loud as fuck. And so like your mind doesn't do that on its own. You have to do it. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Cause it is, it just is like <laughs> fills in all like the, all these stories and just yes. fills in yeah. all the fucking shit. And it's just like, and then you end oh up like, why am I, like, how did I even get to be thinking about this random ass thing <laughs> over here that has like nothing related to anything, but you're like all these little pieces in your head led there. It's yeah. crazy. And then like, so being intentional, yes. With your thoughts, like you have the power to like, just say, shh, I'm just going to like put you in a fucking box, put you over here for now. You know, and I'm not going to think about you right now, yeah. you know, like stay out, <laughs> you know, but you have to be intentional. Otherwise your thoughts will like consume you. Yeah. Well, and like, I was just going to say all of these things, like even like sitting and just focusing on your breath, mm-hmm. and, like just do breath work, just do exercise, just like clear your head. None of these things are easy. <laughs> They're super right. simple. Like it's not complicated, but by no means is it easy and like, oh, okay, it's done. No, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. It's a practice. Yeah. It's a lifestyle and it's a practice for sure. Yeah. Um, is there anything um, that we, that you want to talk about that you forgot to talk about or definitely want to mention as we wind this episode up on um, just want to, what you want to lead the listeners with any sort of pearls I know there's so much shit in here. Yeah, this has been so... Um, it's been very informative. Such I've learned a, a lot. I've learned a lot, too. Yeah. Um, so even just repeating some of their great <laughs> pieces of wisdom. The thing that I want people to know, like the reason that I do what I do is because I want people to know that you have a choice and mm-hmm. that what you do matters. What you do can make a difference in how in your state of being, how you experience Mm -hmm. life. Mental health is not like a dirty word. Mental illness is not a dirty word. Like it's not, it is just as essential of a piece, if not more of as our physical health. And one absolutely affects the other in every way. You cannot separate them. And so you have to just it is just exactly what you said, Raina. It's a practice. And the first time I heard that, I was in a yoga class. It was a long time ago. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I was not. Shut the fuck I up. I was not in this <laughs> What is this class over? Yeah. <laughs> you weren't practicing yet, obviously. I was not practicing. No. I was like, that sounds cheesy. I don't know what that means. But it is exactly that. You were practicing these things every day to try and get to a space where it is useful for you. You're finding these tools and putting them together in the way that is usable in the way you want it to be to 
have the experience in life that you want to have. And it's possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're going through it right yes. now, it is not always going to be like this. And I know that it feels like it will, but it won't. And you just mm-hmm. have to keep taking steps forward. So thank you so much for yes. coming on today, Jessica. Yeah, I had Jessica so much Wynn. fun. Thank you ah. so much for having me. Yes. Where can people find you? Where do you want to be found? So I spend I spend most of my time on Instagram. <laughs> um, it, it I just changed it. It's at JPB dot brain body resilience. Wonder JPB J- as in boy, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Because Jessica Patching Bunch is far too long. That's a long one. <laughs> <laughs> We'll make sure that- JPB at Brain Body Resilience. Yes. Right? Perfect. Okay. We'll make sure we post that so people can find you. Um, thank you so much. Yes. I learned a ton. And this was a really um, fun conversation. Thanks for sharing everything you had to walk through um, to get to where you are. I think it makes the message that, like, look, this does get better eventually. Like, yeah. a lot more authentic sounding to people or like just more connecting. And so thank you for sharing those really vulnerable pieces. And thank you also for just sharing the very practical wisdom for how we can all connect all of these dots and be um, better able to work with our stress. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. So awesome. awesome. And um, sorry, just one other thing I just wanted to say because of (laughs) your story, which I think is an incredible story. It's it's always incredible to me when people who go through and literally walk through the fire um, come out of it and they want to share their their story and they use their story um, to empower themselves and empower other people. So I always think that's such a beautiful thing to do. So thank you so much for sharing yours. Thank you. And I, I, I also yeah. have one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just on those lines, I, this just popped into my head and I realized I wanted to be, I wanted to be a motion, motivational speaker when I was like 10 or 12 that I didn't know what that was at that point, mm-hmm. but I knew that my story could help people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that is also like, that's my other little, little gem I want to leave people with is that even though we all have different variations of this story, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't say that to take away from your experience with it, but we all share in so much of this because it is really prevalent. Mm-hmm. Like, 65% of American adults have had at least three adverse childhood experiences that affect them and how they view the world and their mental health. And so you're not alone. That's, and I think it's important that we talk about these things because it's not a dirty secret. It's not your fault. Yeah. And you're not alone. Thank All right, you, Jessica, Jessica, thank you so much. And, um, uh, Thank you all for listening Thanks, and watching. Thanks. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you all next week. And Jessica, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. For sure. Bye. Don't talk about it.